Okay, so the Jacksons have asked me several times about this question about the King James only because they have, I don't know, a family member, a friend, or an acquaintance. Yeah, yeah. That when they when they visit them and they go to their church, it's a King James only church. And so they've asked me about this, and it kind of fits in with some conversations we've been having recently about Bible translations and about manuscripts. And so this is something that I couldn't work in on a previous week. So I had prepared this, so I'm glad you're here, just in, just in case we had, we had time. So the King James only debate is, uh, and I don't know if you've ever run into these people, but um, they, they believe that uh, the King James Version is superior to all modern translations of the Bible. So the question is, is, is it? And this is a source of confusion Um, As we've said in the past, often, especially for uh, Muslims and uh, LDS members, because they use uh, the King James Bible, and this can be a very important question for those types of people in our oikos. So the King James Version, um, let's learn a little bit about that. It's, now I, I went on some, uh, King James only websites uh, over the weekend um, to try to get their arguments, the best arguments I could find. That's what you always want to do when you're researching something is find the best arguments for, for the other position. So that's what I spent some time looking into. And so they believe in something called the received text, or you might hear the word textus receptus, which is Latin for received text. And They would say that in church history, there's kind of been a river of of, uh, manuscripts that have come down this river and resulted in the King James Version. And when I'm talking about manuscripts, it's as we talked about several weeks ago, of the Greek manuscripts. And they would say that there was one particular family of manuscripts that came down in that river, and that was the received text of the church as looked upon as being authoritative. I don't know if you remember this, but remember we talked about how there's different manuscript families, and they have different kind of um, features to them that, that we know, like, oh, this is an Alexa- in the Alexandrian family, or this is in the Byzantine family. There's different families, family resemblances. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, just as, you know, you saw my brother and I last week, some of you saw a family resemblance there, even though we have different mothers. Well, the majority text, or the Textus Receptus, the idea is that the Byzantine family of manuscripts was authoritative. And it came down to this stream in church history from the church as being the best, the most correct, the most accurately preserved manuscript family, okay? So the king, so a couple of points here of, of history. What I like about history is history is a little bit more neutral than just stating a bunch of opinions. And so historically speaking, the King James is actually one in a succession of English translations. Do you know that? The, like the King James was not the first English translation. There were some that came before it. But all of these used the Textus Receptus as its foundation. So there was the Wycliffe was actually first way back in 1382. 
you should recognize the name Wycliffe Bible Translators. This is who they're named after, is this, this British scholar, John Wycliffe. And he translated from, into Middle English from the Vulgate. And the Vulgate was the Latin translation, okay? And then we had Tyndale. You ever heard of Tyndale Bible Publishers? Yeah. He's another British scholar, British uh, Bible translator. And he translated the Bible into modern English, and he used a Greek text that was done by Erasmus, who was another scholar. But Erasmus's Greek text was actually not the Greek text that you and I would think of. It was actually his translation from Latin back into Greek. So imagine this. It went from Greek. This is the wrong pen. So I'm going to put it down there in timeout. Uh, so it went from Greek to Latin in the 5th century. And then it went, and then Erasmus translated it back into Greek. Now, do you think anything's going to happen here between here and here? And do you think you're going to end up with exactly the same thing as you had here? No, because they're translations, right? You want to get to this, right? So Erasmus's Greek translation um, was actually from the Latin. So we have to be a little bit careful of what that is. Then we have another English translation, and then we have the Bishop's Bible, and then we land here with the big one, with the KJV in 1611, okay? So the KJV was a, was a succession of steps to get us to the King James Version. It was not the first English translation. Now, the question is, when we, remember when we talked about translations and manuscripts, it's like, well, what manuscript is behind a Bible translation? I told you, well, you can look in the front pages of your Bible, and it will tell you what manuscript family is behind that, okay? So this had the Byzantine family of manuscripts behind the King James. If you didn't know, this is another interesting historical point. The King James Bible was very instrumental in the development of the English language. And this is just an interesting point of history of how, in some cases, they had to come up with new words because to reflect theological concepts. And those words then became part of the English language. And there's, um, I listed a couple of books there. If you're a history buff and you kind of find these questions sort of interesting, you can look at those. My uncle loves this book, God's Secretaries. It's really just a historical summary of how the King James Bible came to be and all of the work that those great scholars did to bring that about. This one by Alistair McGrath, who's a very fine British theologian, is just about the story of the King James Bible and how it changed a nation, a language, and a culture. The, the impact of the King James Bible really is its own interesting history story. And I don't think that uh, many of us know that anymore. So if you want to, if, if that's your deal, you can kind of dig into that. So, okay, King James only. A second point that I would like to make, I, I, uh, you know how I am. When I have a question about church history, I go talk to my friendly neighborhood Orthodox person because they know more than I do. And so I had those conversations yesterday and I said, okay, is there anything to this idea? They're trying to make this historical case that there was a received text in the church 
is there anything to this idea? And my Orthodox friend uh, talked to some of his priests to find out, and it was like, well, no. Yes, there is a Byzantine family of manuscripts. Yes, there is an Alexandrian family. But there was no thought in the church that one family was better than another family, that one family was more accurate or one family was more corrupt. It was just all of these families were preserving the word of God, and they were all preserving it in their geographical area. This is really an idea that has risen distinctly in America in the last 50 years, this idea of King James only. This is not an idea that has been around for a long time. This is really just an idea that is fairly recent and is a distinctly American Protestant phenomenon. Yeah, it's hard to switch. And there is a certain beauty and elegance of the King James Bible and... Yeah, and, it's, and it has impacted Western culture. I think there's historical value in understanding it and knowing it, but I don't think there's any superiority in the manuscript tradition that's behind it that ought to cause us to uh, cast doubts on um, more recent translations. So if you want to know more about Bible translation, here's a couple of other resources if this is something that intrigues you. Uh, D.A. Carson, anything written by D.A. Carson, I just love him. He is the voice of balance. I love how he is able to take very controversial and tricky topics and provide both points of view and provide a very balanced perspective. So if you ever come across a book by D.A. Carson and it's on a controversial topic, it's probably going to be a good introduction to that topic. I find him to be a very balanced Writer, He's in the Baptist tradition, so somewhat similar to us. But he's at uh, Trinity Evangelical Seminary. Very, very good scholar. So here's his work on the King James only debate. So if you want to know more of the details of that, you could look into that. This is a good book like for beginners. A very fine book written by a friend of our ministry, Mark Strauss. His brother is a colleague of mine. He's a particle physicist. That's, that's a great family to be from. you got like one theologian and one particle physicist. That's, that's a pretty cool family. And their father is a minister. And yeah, very, very educated family. But uh, Gordon Fee is also a great scholar. I think he has passed now. Uh, this is a great kind of introduction to Bible translation. If you just want, kind of want to know more about the Bible translations and all the different kinds and their strengths and weaknesses. This is a good, good book for beginners, if that's something you want to probe more, okay? And like I said before, when we talked about Bible translations, I think it's important to take into account new believers and not to put unnecessary or undue burden or obstacles on them to tell them, like, hey, you have to, you have to do this. You have to have this translation. If there's a, a ramp-up that we can give them, the Bible is a difficult thing to get into. It's a very ancient culture and there's a lot of really foreign things sacrifices and lots of things happening that we're not familiar with so let's let's have some grace with with new believers and and ourselves if if we need a fresh a fresh word so i'm going to wrap it up and then you can ask me right after okay so i'm over time sorry father i just thank you and um thank you for the conversation and lord i just ask that uh 
everything I say would just be with grace uh, toward my brothers and sisters that see these matters differently when we're talking about controversies, that we can begin to understand how to uh, put love first, to let love lead, um, even with people that uh, see these issues differently, and that we would um, be in uh, relationship with you as we move through these difficult conversations at times, that we would listen to your prompting and listen to what you would have us to say, that our speech may always be filled with grace and seasoned with salt. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.